You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shabbat Shalom. Welcome once again to Temple Beth El. Uh, it's so nice to be here to celebrate Shabbat with you. And in particular, if this is your first time at Temple Bethel, or if this is your first time in a while at Temple Bethel, it's especially sweet to celebrate Shabbat with you today. A couple of announcements. First, after services today, I hope you'll join us downstairs for uh, for Kiddush, for some uh, for some nosh and some schmooze. Uh, and uh, then after Kiddush, we'll gather back together in the Oaken Chapel for the Mincha service. So I hope you'll join us uh, for that as well. Monday night will be our communal commemoration of Tisha B'Av. We'll gather at 8 o'clock for Mincha services. Note that regular 545 Mincha services will not be taking place on Monday. We'll be holding Mincha at 8 o'clock, right before our Tisha B'Av service. Uh, come if you've never been, especially to a Tisha B'Av service. It's an incredibly moving service, uh, a powerful experience and opportunity to recall our tragedies uh, that we've suffered as a people over history uh, and that uh, God uh, that we continue to suffer today unfortunately uh, and uh, nevertheless to express our hope that uh, one day we can live in peace and fulfillment. So 8 o'clock Monday night we'll commemorate Tisha B'Av then we'll gather again on Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock for services where we'll continue the commemoration of Tisha B'Av and uh, the uh, day continues through the day. We'll also gather again at 5.45 that afternoon for Mincha services, which will uh, feature Tisha B'Av worship as well. So lots of opportunities to come together for worship. Uh, and uh, um, one other announcement, which is uh, this coming Wednesday night uh, will be our third of our six spectacular scriptures series. Uh, that uh, I've been uh, leading over the past couple of weeks. Um, it's been a great learning opportunity um, over the past couple of weeks. Great crowds, great energy. Uh, if you haven't come yet, come on Wednesday. If you have come to the previous two, I hope you'll join us again. Uh, we'll be talking about the burning bush and Moses' mission uh, and how it can serve as a model for us in our lives and how it served as a model for me in my life. It should be a lot of fun, so I hope you'll join us for that. And then finally, next Friday night, uh, we'll have two services at Bethel. The first will be, well, they're at the same time. So one will be here at Grove Avenue. We'll gather for 515 Preneg. Hope you'll join us for that. And then services uh, as normal at 6 o'clock. We'll also be gathering at Parham Road for Shabbat Under the Stars for Preneg at 515. And services at 6 o'clock, a different style service. Uh, featuring musical instruments, camp style, a little bit more informal, there at uh, Parham Road at uh, 6 o'clock, which will be followed by a uh, bring-your-own picnic under the stars uh, dinner, which may migrate inside depending on the weather. We'll pretend that there's stars inside. So if you'll join us for either of those uh, services next Friday night. My first rabbinic internship was in Atlanta, Not at the synagogue in which I grew up, but in one just down the street from uh, my home. Congregation B'nai Torah was an incredible rabbi who was my mentor, continues to be my mentor, Rabbi Josh Heller. And so it was my first time in a rabbinic capacity really preaching and teaching. 
And over the course of a couple weeks, I preached a couple times, I taught a couple times, and I said to Rabbi Heller, you know, I haven't really heard any feedback from anybody about whether or not they've liked my teaching or whether they or not they've liked my sermons. And he turned to me and he said what, in a voice that was meant, I think, to be encouraging, but when I thought about it, it wasn't so encouraging, he said, you know, it's the self. And people generally follow the rule that if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. <laughs> That's, uh, if, if we know in Richmond that that is the part of the culture, that if you don't have something nice to say, you don't say anything at all. Our Torah portion this morning doesn't quite follow that dictum. Moses begins his speech to the Jewish people, his farewell address, and he gives what the rabbis term tochecha, admonition, rebuke. He spends his final moments with the Jewish people, chastising them for the ways in which they failed, the ways in which their ancestors have failed, and the ways in which they've let down God and not fulfilled their end of the bargain, their promise as Jewish people. And it leads many to the question of, why take the time? What do we learn from a Torah portion that is only admonition, that's only tochacha? What do we learn from Moses rebuking the people of the generation that are about to enter the promised land? But if you look carefully at what Moses says, and who Moses is, and what his relationship is with the people, you'll notice something very important about Moses' admonition, which I think provides a deep insight into how we relate with others in our life and with our words. Because Moses' words of admonition are not meant to put people down. They're not meant to raise himself up and say, look how bad you are, look how great I am. They're said with a lot of love from, the, from a person who the people know loves them very much and has been with them for a long time, has nurtured and led them. And they are words of truth. So when Moses speaks, he talks about things that all of the people he's talking to know are accurate, know are real. There is a lesson there that's echoed by many other faith traditions, which is that before we speak, and especially before we offer rebuke or criticism to somebody else, we ought to ask ourselves three questions. Is what I'm about to say true? And then, is what I'm about to say necessary? And then finally, is what I'm about to say kind? Is it true? Is it important? And is it kind? For Moses, we meet all of those criteria. What Moses says of the Jewish people's failings are doubtlessly true. They are also necessary to say, because they're about to leave Moses, Moses is about to leave them, they're about to enter into the promised land, and Moses wants them to know, here's how you're going to succeed without me. 
and here is what's going to happen badly to you if you don't listen to what I'm saying. This is for your good. This is a life and death thing that I'm telling you, just as it would have been for your ancestors who didn't listen to it. And so it's important because if you don't learn the lessons from your ancestors and what they did wrong and what you have continued to do wrong in the wilderness, you will not make it in the promised land. So it's true and it's important. And it's kind. It's kind because Moses offers the words not necessarily to warn people against danger, but because he cares about whether or not they're going to get hurt and hurt themselves. And so he offers it with the love of a parent who wants to make sure that their children don't wander into traffic and offers it with kindness. The lesson is a hard one for us because we live in a society that, even though we don't always hit this standard, often privileges straight talk. Right? I'm going to give it to you straight. I'm going to, no frills, you know, I'm just going to tell you like it is. But the lesson that Moses offers is that is not the only criteria. That might be one. Is it true? But there are two other barriers to cross before we know if something is the right thing to say to somebody else. Not only is it true, but is it important? Is it necessary to say? Would that person go on living their life well if you don't tell them the thing that you are going to say? And then third, is it kind? Does it lift somebody up? Does it offer them generosity and love? Or does it bring them down? Does it destroy them? That one is maybe the hardest one. But there are so many opportunities in our lives where we talk to others, where we communicate with others, we speak to subordinates in our work or maybe superiors, we speak to our loved ones and our spouse, and we offer words of criticism and critique and disagreement and discord. And what would our lives look like if we actually held ourselves up to those three hurdles. Is what I'm about to say true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? And kind, by the way, is not only whether you intend it to be kind, but whether it's experienced by the other person as kindness. Those are the hurdles. Our rabbis ask the question, why is it that the book of Genesis begins with God creating the world through speech? God creates the world by talking it into existence. And the answer that is frequently given is because it teaches us a lesson. It's not to teach us science. It's to teach us a lesson that our words create worlds. Let us be careful with the words we say, with the devarim that we say. And let us know that the worlds we create ought to be built on a foundation of truth, of importance and of kindness. The Bachelor.